welcome to the CO class episode three. And by conducting virtual fire chat session with the greatest leader around the world, we'll mainly talk about personal goals and growth in our sessions. So in our daily life, like usually after a day of busy work and in a study, we may wonder like, what do I really want to do in my life? How can I make my goals work? Is this really what I want to do, like for my study or for my career? So in this session, it is the time, and it's also a really good opportunity because we have a like special guest today to talk about his journey, how he actually planned the personal goals, and also his career. Let's welcome Christian Follis, the CEO Asia of Ferragamo Hong Kong, to like share more about his career story and also his personal goal with us. So um. For this, can you uh, uh, Yushin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do um, with your path with Ferragamo and also what stage is actually in your plan? Yeah. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for this chat together and for reaching out. I think it's always interesting to have the opportunity to share some of the experiences uh, with you know the next generation or the next next generation in my case as i'm becoming unfortunately on the older side of generations so uh, but it's definitely always you know uh, i think very important to uh, try to share a bit the experiences with uh, you know uh, the next generation to allow them some considerations. So, uh, hi, my name is Christian Fordis. I'm Italian, as you might have already understood from my accents. Um, I've been living in Hong Kong for 16 years now. Before moving to Hong Kong, I was stationed in London for five years. And so I've been living abroad now for over 20 years from Italy. Uh, I remain uh, fundamental Italian, definitely from my accent, but uh, I love my country, I'm extremely proud about my country and yeah, one of the goals I had when I started uh, my career, uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to uh, be a diplomatic or I wanted to be a manager. In fact, I was considering to be a diplomatic for some time because I always wanted to be an ambassador of my country in one way or the other. and. Uh, life brought me to be an ambassador of uh, Italian brands instead of being a diplomat. Uh, but I think it's one of the angles on how we can, you know, represent our country in the best way. Also because uh, Italy and the Made in Italy is one of the characteristics of our country. Uh, so to, to export, uh, you know, beauty uh, and incredible products is definitely something that I'm extremely proud of. So let me tell you a bit myself. I started my career with, uh, uh, you know, uh, while I was studying, uh, I was also working. So I was combining uh, work and studies together. <clears throat> and this was, uh, in fact, I was working for a quite sizable uh, marketing organization that were organizing congresses uh, in Italy, probably one of the largest organization organizing congresses in Italy and exhibitions and I was doing it because mainly uh, I wanted to uh, practice my foreign languages and this organization was giving me the opportunity once I was studying 
first to earn some money, but also to keep practicing my language skills, but also you know, to socialize uh, in a work environment without being yet fully committed to it. So I think it has been a very uh, uh, you know, interesting journey, at least for myself, this combination of working while studying. So this has been definitely quite rewarding and uh, it allowed me to keep practicing and improving my languages. I, I, I was born Italian, but I'm Italian, half Italian, half German. So I do speak also German and it was useful to you know, practice my German as we had several customers and clients from, you know, uh, the, from Germany and also from France. So I could also uh, practice my French. My parents, they used to speak French among themselves uh, because they met in New York and French has been for them the common language for many years. And so my, my, my worst language was in fact English and this uh, uh, work opportunity gave me the opportunity to improve a bit my English skills. Uh, so this is uh, how I started my career uh, and as everything in life is connected, uh, one of the events I, I was doing uh, was the second time I was having the opportunity to meet one of the largest fashion companies that was at the time Valentino and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I, I, we have been working at the time for the celebration of 30 years of magic was the uh, name of the exhibition and I had the opportunity to meet again some of the top management of Valentino that coincidentally was then bought by uh, Marzotto Group that was the, my first job in the fashion industry. How did I landed in Marzotto Group? It was thanks to uh, my uh, uh, university thesis that I, I, I did a thesis around uh, non-profit organizations and Marzotto Group at the time, together with Olivetti Group and with Fiat Group, was one of the largest organizations having already a structured non-profit foundation that was pursuing uh, charitable goals. But what I was interested in when I was studying was how do you manage a non-profit organization while but making it profitable so it can be long-lasting and sustainable so this was the first time i met the fashion company marzotto and then coincidentally also while i was working with valentino uh, with valentino fashion group uh, at the time so i started this way my career because one of the managers asked me hey you know i i know you are finishing your studies uh, i understand you speak several languages would you be interested to join our group? Uh, because, you know, uh, fashion is one of the industries and we are talking about uh, uh, probably now the 1998, uh, 1999. Uh, at the time, there were not many Italians that were speaking several languages. So my advantage or my professional advantage at the time was that I could manage multiple languages that would have been giving me the opportunity to work on uh, multiple markets. So long story short, the head of Marzotto Group uh, introduced me, that was there uh, doing a speech, introduced me to their HR department. I did uh, uh, you know, a, a few uh, uh, talks with them, and, uh, but they were not calling me back. So at the time, when I finished the university, I decided to 
go to New York and spend some time with my wife, well, at the time it was my girlfriend, uh, in New York to, you know, just follow my passion that is still today art. And I was spending some time in New York with some friends. And so basically, I, uh, I was not looking yet for a job, but suddenly a call came from Marzotto Group and it told me, hey, can you be here in two days? Uh, we'd like to, you know, uh, give you an opportunity to start working with us. So uh, it was like, you know, sudden, but uh, very welcome. And I, I was protected from, you know, living uh, uh, Dolce Vita life because I'm originally from Rome and, uh, you know, that is a beautiful city. I was invited to join Marzotto Group that is in the northern part of Italy in a small place called Valdagno and uh, with uh, probably you know 20,000 souls in the city and not a lot to be done there but anyway it was a fantastic professional opportunity and I decided to take it so at the time I was offered a job with uh, uh, one of the brands that was a license from Philip Morris that was called Marlboro Classics that was a representation of, you know, it was a, a casual brand uh, uh, representing, you know, the uh, cowboy lifestyle interpreted by Italians. So it was definitely not really the Italian dream I was uh, wanted to start with, but it was a very interesting brand. And from there, I started my career into fashion. Uh, and step by step, I became first area manager for Northern Europe. Then I became head of... Uh, all Northern Europe uh, as a managing director in UK and then Marzotto Group offered me the opportunity to move uh, to Asia to Hong Kong in fact when the SARS hit and you know talking about crisis you know I think it's important to understand uh, when is the right time to you know take advantage of crisis so at the time I, 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 I was completely unfamiliar with Asia but I thought that I knew quite well Europe at this point and, uh, and I was given the opportunity uh, after working for five, six years in Marzotto Group to move in 2004 to Hong Kong as head of Marzotto Group and it was exactly during the SARS because Mr. Marzotto that was previously stationed here in Hong Kong decided that mm, you know what, I'm out of here and I, I, I spoke at the time to still my girlfriend, uh, hey, uh, why don't we go a few years in Hong Kong? Why don't we start, you know, something different? Why don't we learn about Hong Kong? Why don't we learn about China? Why don't we learn about Asia? And we moved there. So it took her, I, I gave her a week to decide and she decided to follow me. And this is how we landed in Hong Kong. Uh, I... Uh, I became, uh, I was immediately hired in a quite high position that is definitely facilitating to live in a uh, challenging city like Hong Kong. Uh, but you know, again, the dreams are always different from the reality, you know. I was uh, dreaming to go in Asia and maybe travel with my wife uh, and see beautiful places and cities. Reality was that, you know, we were living in a very small apartment, uh, you know, and I, I, I was working like a dog. <laughs> I was working probably 20 hours a day and uh, traveling 220 days uh, in not always the most pleasant of places. I mean, many very nice cities, 
but also sometimes when you're tired, etc., not really what you wanted to do is to travel again, leaving you know your sweetheart in Hong Kong. <laughs> so anyway, uh, long story short, uh, Marzotto Group transformed itself into Valentino Fashion Group after the acquisition of Valentino. And I've been working since then for Valentino Fashion Group as head for Asia. And then uh, Valentino Fashion Group was sold to Permira Group, that is a large uh, financial institution. And the company changed a bit its nature. It became from a family-run company to a financial, uh, financially driven you know, uh, business. And I wasn't sure this was what I was looking for for myself, because I personally like more long-term plans and more long-term, uh, you know, uh, strategies rather than short-term, you know, immediate quarterly results, achievements, and then move away. So uh, at the time, my boss uh, of Valentino Fashion Group. Uh, that recently left uh, the group uh, became the CEO of Ferragamo, global CEO of Ferragamo. And he asked me if I was interested to join Ferragamo at the time, that was a much smaller company than Valentino Fashion Group. Just to give you an idea, Ferragamo at the time was roughly a half a billion euro company, while Valentino Fashion Group was a much larger organization. It was almost a 2.5 billion company because in Valentino Fashion Group there was licensing of Marlboro Classics, of Sony, of Trussardi, of Cerruti, so it was a lot of also suit business. But uh, more importantly, uh, Valentino Fashion Group uh, acquired Valentino as a brand and launched the relaunch of Valentino, but was also owning Hugo Boss that was a very sizable company at the time. So. It was a difficult call because, you know, to move from a very large company to a smaller company is not always something that uh, you you say it's the right choice. You always, when you work, you have always two options when you grow. Or you, if you are very lucky, you take a larger role uh, into a larger company. But very often you need to compromise and you take a larger role in a smaller company or you take an equivalent, if not smaller, role in a, in a larger company. So it's a way of balancing, you know, what is your career progress. I decided that it was interesting anyway to pursue the Ferragamo option uh, because Ferragamo at the time was having mainly two very interesting projects. One was the uh, buyback of the two local joint ventures that were historically driven, one by Vietnam Group and the other one by Imagines Group of Companies. And the other interesting project was to list the company in the Italian Stock Exchange just a few years later. As usual, things never go as per plan. Lehman Brothers uh, crisis hits the markets, and you know we we had to put a stop to the listing in 2009. And bottom line, we relisted the company a few years later. But again, you know things never really work the way you planned. And you always need to readapt to, you know, the new situation. Uh, fast forward, I'm still with Ferragamo. Uh, I'm the CEO now for Ferragamo for Asia, meaning that I do manage the business of the company from India to Australia and everything that is in between these two countries or every channel 
travel retail, uh, domestic, our own business, our own network, uh, digital channels, e-commerce, and also business in the region. Uh, we have a, a decent-sized company. We have 1,300 employees now. And uh, I, I am extremely lucky because, you know, being in Asia, uh, there is a lot of very uh, qualified talents and I, I can very proudly say that we have an incredible team that has been progressing very positively during these years and we grew the company to a size that uh, today Ferragamo is roughly last public information we are a public listed company so it was 1.4 billion company uh, euro 1.4 billion euro company and uh, the business I'm currently managing is larger than the business uh, uh, of the whole company when I started with Ferragamo. So I, I think we definitely made some good progress. So this is where I am today. <laughs> you should tell me when I should stop. You know, I uh, I, I can talk for hours. Uh, so the, <laughs> my team, uh, I always I have always somebody in my team say, telling me, cut it short, stop or do something, because otherwise, you know, I can talk uh, for a long time. <laughs> I actually find this very impressive because like uh, you can like move from because like you born in Rome and then move to New York and then now you're in Hong Kong and you also like been through a lot of like crisis in the other eyes for example the SARS and even Brothers crisis and now COVID-19 so but you're still like very positive so adaptive very brave so I'm just wondering what makes you or what kind of beliefs that support you to be so mentally strong because like, through this crisis a lot of people may feel oh, I'm so stressful I've been so worried about the future but like from your sharing I can feel that like you probably don't afraid of anything like yeah if there will be changes I just like change the plan like even I got a plan that things will pop up I just stop it so what makes you or what motivates you to keep your mentality to be that strong and do you have any tips that can share with our audience like how can you like maintain this energy level yeah uh, I, I think uh, you know you need to set yourself for the long term and manage the short term I think that's very important because if you have a long-term objective uh, you know, it's uh, it's always important that you aim for this one. You know, short-term objectives they're never rewarding. Long-term objectives are rewarding. And and especially now, I mean, you were mentioning the COVID crisis. I mean, look at us. We cannot plan anything now. Mm. Every every plan could change tomorrow. So, but this doesn't mean that we should change our long-term plans. Uh, because these are the ones that will give us the strength to co consider what is the, you know, the strategy. So I think, you know, life it's, uh, should be always approached in a strategic way and then you need to have a tactical approach on a day by day. So this is, I think, uh, you know, what is important. Relative to my energy levels, you know, I, I consider myself extremely lucky because, you know, I, I'm doing something I love uh, tremendously and uh, you know and that's definitely something that i would recommend to anyone to follow their passions you know follow what you like to do and your job is going to be much lighter uh, 
Uh, and even if there are things you might not like from your job, try to always to find the positive angle uh, or the things you like. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you start moaning about things, there is no stop to moaning. You know? So <laughs> I think it's important that we remain positive, you know. Uh, so this is always my approach uh, to things. And uh, it would be my recommendation to anyone. That's just like, yeah, I got it, but I sometimes find it it's really hard, hard to do, do it like, on a daily basis. So, um, do you have any mentors that guide you through the journey, or do you actually just read books and learn from the books, or learn from your peers? How do you, what's your learning curve looks like from? For example, like everyone has the journey, right? When I first graduate, I'm just a junior. Like everything, I can make like the total like decision just by myself. And then how you can like transition from that like a junior person to right now you're a CEO. You have the ability to like take consideration of different parties. And then how can you like? Uh, how do you plan the learning path, and then do you have any mentors that guide you along the journey? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so one answer at a time. First of all, I believe that learning uh, is is a journey. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe in lifelong learning journey. I keep learning and studying every day. I keep reading. I keep doing executive courses online. I'm part of, of YPO, that is uh, called Young President Organization, that is an organization with 27,000 CEOs, and we keep learning from each other. We do conferences where we teach to each other, we mentor each other, and uh, you know we, we we share experiences. And you know, I don't think that you know you keep learning even at, if you are 70, 80, 90, if you are lucky enough to live that long life. You, leave, you, you learn every day. And I think what is important is not only to learn from mentors, but is to try to learn from anyone. Uh, you need to learn also from kids. I observe kids and sometimes you can learn from kids. I try to learn from my, my daughter, she's 13, and there are things that I'm learning from her. You know, uh, especially, you know, we, when we talk about our industry and, you know, the next generation Z, uh, generation X, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, I have it at home, so I'm trying to learn from her because, you know, uh, I think that that's extremely important. Uh, But, you know, then you need also to define and decide who do you want to follow as mentors and definitely to have, you know, somebody that can give you a perspective, you know. Uh, I don't think that nobody can guide people or, you know, but, you know, simply to share experiences and to enlarge the perspective, this is, a, I think, a good mentor. Somebody that tells you, you should do like that, but he's already a bad mentor, you know. Uh, somebody that tells you, you know, I've been doing like this, it worked for me, I don't know if it can work for anyone else, but, you know, I can share with you my experience. I think this is a person, uh, this is a person I would tend to, you know, listen to and follow a bit more. Uh, I, I was lucky enough, I was having three or four uh, friends uh, or friends of my family that have been giving me some mentorship and advice during the years and I'm still doing you know trying to improve myself on a daily basis I just finished yesterday uh, uh, online course with the London Business School 
on strategic sustainability and you know and you know I, I was not forced to study I simply do it because I'm interested to learn new things and this is the strongest advice I would give to anyone and you know it you don't need to have honestly you know expensive courses uh, to learn but there is a lot of education that is also for free and this is something that I would definitely invite you to, to, to follow. I find this uh, actually quite surprising as I usually when it uh, comes to online course or like some sharing session for young generation like us will just take it like uh, extracurricular activities like yeah I have some like spare time just look up to Udemy or Koshara to see yeah whether they're course but my like a lot of people, they may just register 10 course, but never finish one. So I really surprised, like, um, especially for CEO, you're so busy, right? Your schedule is so packed. Um, I'm just curious to know more about how's your, like, routine, your daily routine looks like, and how do you, do you have, like, a proportion of, like, uh, for example, for today, I may spend one hour on my study, and then two hours with my family, do you have, like, a calendar for that or do you consciously keep yourself just keep going keep learning do you have any planning on that yeah i i i am normally very organized i mean my my assistant loves me because i'm able to plan almost two years ahead my calendar normally wow. uh, so i i have a quite organized macro calendar and again i'm for the short not for the short, I'm always for the long, also in my calendar. I always plan, you know, what I want to do. And But my calendar is not only filled with, uh, you know, professional uh, or business, uh, you know, uh, commitments, but is also filled with my personal commitments, my family commitments, my, you know, and, and so I, I try to keep a balanced life in this aspect. So I always, you know, put blocks of when I'm going to do holidays and I try to put my holidays or of course close to my daughter's school holidays because it would be pointless for me to do holidays without her and my wife uh, so I in fact I plan according to her life rather than mine <laughs> my professional career so and, and I always try to block some some things for myself uh, I have a constantly updated bucket list of things I would like to do and uh, I always and, and I invite you all to you know also have this just put constantly a list of your dreams or the things you want to do the things you want to learn the things you want to buy you know you can even separate the things you know you can uh, change them and you know some things you might never be able to achieve uh, but you know it's important to have Again, a dream and a vision and a wish. I think this is what uh, drives me at least. And so I keep a very updated bucket list of things I want to buy, I want to do, and I want to learn. So that's definitely something that, uh, again, and I, I try to fill my calendar with uh, this bucket list uh, that has a different color on my calendar. So I always try to keep it updated. And I, I know that I have so many days a year of holidays and I will plan ahead of time so that I try to fill these gaps with uh, my plans. 
So I'm quite organized. That's definitely something I, I would suggest anyone to, to be organized with your time. Because if you're organized with your time, you can, uh, you know, you can uh, plan uh, in a much better way and you are more efficient in the things you want to achieve. Yeah, and I, I start to understand why you can keep all your hobbies. Like you said you love riding bikes, listening to loud music, and you also have time to enjoy like contemporary art. And then I think a lot of young people, like for example, like people who just start their business or people that may just want to start their like um, own fashion labels in the future, they may have like, especially for Asian, we may always say that, yeah, I must work hard, I must sacrifice everything. Like what I love to do, like my time to rest, my time to spend with my families. So I think that like, by having a really organized like calendar, but I can't really do a three years planning. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right now I'm not like up to that standard. So I can only do maybe one year's plan. But like, how do you like, for example, you know that we have so many ad hoc stuff that happen in our lives. So how do you, how do you usually just twist or your calendar? How do you prioritize what uh, is so important to you? Do you have like something that you must prioritize for maybe top three priorities in your life? And then for example, your families or your study or your career, which is the first like three prioritized item to you in your life right now? Yeah. I'm just curious about like how do you prioritize If, if I should go by priority, I will yeah. always give priority to my family, of course. Uh, but I, if I, if you ask my family, they would probably answer that I give priority to my job and my business. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not sure this is. <laughs> I'm not sure I would be. Uh, <laughs> you know. So again, you know, wishes and dreams and things uh, that you, you want to, to to do, maybe they're not always perceived by the people surrounding you in the same way, but. I, I, I believe that, you know, to have a balanced life is extremely important. Uh, you know, when I see uh, younger people in the office uh, being extremely late, I'm always concerned. Uh, you know, I understand if they are very late for a short period of time for some emergencies. Uh, but if I see them every day very late, I normally tend to speak to the line manager and ask uh, what's the problem, what's going on if there is a specific issue we should look at. Uh, because I think that, uh, again, people should always, at any age, have a balanced life, uh, balancing you know, family, friends, career. Uh, I am extremely, extremely uh, 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 you know, scared by people that are not having a balanced life. Uh, because I, I don't think they can be happy people and I, idealistically I would like to have uh, people that are happy that are doing what they're doing in their career in the job so I think it's going to be very important that you know we don't have unbalanced uh, employees also in our organization so I'm, I'm quite uh, you know cautious about these aspects yeah, you are really ideal CEO. Like everyone's want to have like, yeah. Because like for a lot of Hong Kong born like boss, they may always require young people. Yeah, you must stay late 
if you haven't finished what I asked you to do, and then if you're not staying late, maybe the others like college may think that yeah, you're not hardworking enough, you're not contributing enough to the team. That's like kind of a weird culture in Hong Kong, but like your style is quite different. So um, I'm just curious about like how in your daily like um, collab. Sonia, I cannot hear you. with your team and then with your employee yeah like is it are you more like a coach to your employees or you think that you're someone who would love to inspire them and then let them to take charge or you're someone who love to give orders which style of like a leadership are you I, I first of all uh, you know when they ask me this question you should probably <laughs> ask my team and not myself <laughs> Uh, same as I was telling you about my family, but uh, I, I let me put it this way: I, I have a few, uh, you know, uh, standards that I try to apply for myself, and that I I I, I think these uh, uh, define a bit my style. Uh, mm. First of all, uh, as I mentioned already to you before, I I, I would always recommend to follow your passions. And I do like people that uh, are passionate about the job they're doing. Any job, you know, you can be passionate about anything you do. Uh, my father once showed me a guy uh, that was cleaning the streets, so a very humble job, but he was doing it, you know, with very, very, uh, you know, he was wearing a rose. He was like singing, cleaning the streets. And my dad told me, look at this guy. He's doing it with extreme passion. And this is what we should be respecting. So I, I, I respect people that are extremely passionate about what they're doing. Uh, I think what is also important is, as I said already, keep uh, learning all your life. And this is what I try to say to all my colleagues and my team. Uh, try to learn all your life. We've been trying also to do recently a few webinars in my company. Uh, some webinars they were arranged by our own employees uh, on what they are specialized in. I can see the name of our, one of our employees in this chat. He's a legal counsel for IP in our company, and uh, uh, he has been doing an incredible speech on you know to other people in the organization that they might not be uh, you know uh, always in inform of what what he's doing. So I think again he was able to teach. Uh, to all uh, uh, the other people in the company, you know, what he's doing and how they could, could, could contribute. Another aspect I always recommend to anyone, and again, I'm telling you these things because I think they are part of my style or leadership, you want to say. One thing I always uh, try to remind myself is to put myself in someone else's shoes, uh, meaning that, you know, there is not always one right answer to things. Perspective might change depending from the angle you see things. So you know, don't don't assume that your perspective is the right one forever. It might change. It's important to be able to change your mind and keep putting yourself in someone else's shoes is very important. Uh, what I try to be, I try to be extremely respectful to people. Uh, I never scream. I don't think I scream once in my life. Uh, 
So it's something that uh, I, I find screaming and shouting to people extremely disrespectful. I can be quite firm and I can state my points very clearly, I think, but I would never scream to somebody because I think it's very, very disrespectful. Uh, and I, I try to be as much respectful as I can about you know anyone that surrounds me, friends, family, colleagues. So that's my, my uh, personal policy. Another point that I learned from a very uh, good friend today and at the time was uh, uh, was a distributor I had in Denmark, very successful man. And he asked me, hey, Martin, how, how, how have you been able to be so successful? You know, he was a very humble man. He was, uh, uh, you know, he was uh, uh, building uh, houses before and he became the number one fashion distributor for all Northern Europe, extremely successful man. And, uh, uh, and, and asking, so what's, what's your secret formula? And he told me one thing, be available. And you know, I keep reflecting on this, you know, be available was one of very important lessons. So be available means, you know, be uh, ready to listen to other people, have an open door policy, welcome people to talk to you, don't be closed. And, and I try to respect these things for myself. I think that 99% of the time, my door, my office door is open. Uh, and anyone can come to, to my office. And on my business cards, there is my mobile phone. So if I give you my business cards, I don't have, have two different mobile phones. I have one mobile phone. And this is the mobile phone I can be reached in. So, and so I try to, you know, learn from this lesson, and I'm still treasuring it today. Uh, another thing that I think is very important in the in the leadership is to treasure imperfection and failure. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm a perfectionist. So when you are a perfectionist, you need to understand. Uh, that life is not perfect, meaning things can change, and failure is behind every corner. So you should treasure it. And again, I, I, exactly because I know my limits, being a perfectionist, I try to remind myself that there is beauty in the imperfection. In magic, you know, in the fashion industry, you know, the difference between a handmade product and an industrial product. I can guarantee you that the industrial product is 100 pieces all the same. But is this really beauty? I'm not sure. So what I mean is that I treasure imperfection because it's, I think it's part of life, and uh, and therefore I appreciate failure not only by myself but also by the people that are surrounding me. And as a reminder of imperfection, I always do small tricks on myself. So one thing you can see on my shirts: this is not by chance. I one button is closed, one button is open. It's a small detail, but it reminds me about imperfection, the beauty of imperfection. My watch goes half an hour ahead, not because I want to be on time, but because I treasure imperfection. My suits on one side, I don't know, when you have custom-made suits, you can open the buttons laterally. And they are always not the same open buttons. On one there is one, the other two or two or three whatever. And these are all reminders to me to treasure imperfection. 
So this is something that uh, I always, you know, remind to everyone. They treasure your first three time and passions. They keep you young. Uh, they are very important. So I, 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 I love my passions. I love my loud music. I love my bike. Uh, you know, uh, I like skiing and golfing in the free time I have. And, you know, I chose deliberately when I was much younger sports that I could carry all my life. You know, I, I, I was a terrible football player, but then at 25 or 28, I remember I, I realized that I could have never been a football player all my life. So I decided to focus on two sports I could uh, uh, treasure and enjoy all my life. And I started uh, playing golf because I know I could possibly play golf all my life. And skiing, I always been skiing all my life. And again, skiing is something that you can enjoy all your life. So what I'm saying is that try to be passionate about things you might enjoy for a lifelong because you can become better uh, in what you're doing. Uh, be curious. So listen to people. I think this is very, very important. Be curious of the various generations. So talk to the older generations, but talk to the younger generation. You can learn from anyone. And again, they can give you different perspectives uh, that are very important. Uh, be yourself, be authentic. Don't be uh, a yes man. I don't like people that are telling me by nature, you know, that are uh, telling you, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm actually more scared about people that are telling me you're right <laughs> rather than colleagues telling me, hey, you know what? I think you are saying a lot of bullshit. Uh, then there is always a way to say it, you know, the, you, maybe you don't say it publicly, but I, 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 I respect people that come to me and tell me, hey, I think, you know, we should look at this also from a different perspective, a different angle. So treasure, you know, uh, authenticity and people around you that are giving you uh, an authentic perspective. That might be also different from yours, uh, but very important. And the last maybe characteristic that I would say that maybe defines my, my style is uh, be a team player. You know, there is only so much you can do by yourself. You know, if you have a very strong team around you, you can be so much stronger, you can have so much talent around you that can understand things uh, much better than you, especially if you're a CEO. You know, the more you grow into your career, uh, the more you're less interested into details uh, and you need to have a vision and a strategy uh, on the long term. But unfortunately, the strategy cannot be, you know, uh, having so many details. So I think it's important to empower people and to let them do their job because they know better what they're doing. So this is a bit my personal perspective. You know, there is a very famous African uh, uh, motto that is, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together. So I try to apply this also to my life. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> I think you have like other beyond and much you provide much more values than like just by leadership, especially for uh, what you mentioned like what uh, never just be a yes man. 
I think it's like really hard, especially if right now I'm starting my business. It's really hard to say no to the opportunity that doesn't fit for me, or say no to the client. Sometimes they just ask for much more than I can afford. Yeah, that's really inspiring and a really good reminder to everyone. And then I think it is also uh, we can start like the Q and A session with our audience. So if you have any question, you can just type in the chat box, and we can um, answer your question. Yeah, is there any? Yeah, you just can feel free to type in the chat box if you guys have any question. While waiting for them to tell your question, actually I got tons because I, actually I keep writing notes when you're like sharing uh, what's your leadership style. I'm actually quite um, inspired by what you mentioned about trying to celebrate and treasure the impassioned part of your life. Like, because I, I am also a perfectionist, but my way to think about perfection perfect or profession is I sometimes I'll give a lot of pressure to myself it's like yeah I I should have done better than what I perform or like yeah if I can what if I can go to the past like I think about a lot of this stuff which may trap myself in a limited thinking but your way to think about imperfect is actually quite positive and it's actually very motivating so I'm just like, yeah, it's so different from what I have like keep receiving in like, especially in Hong Kong. The education that I have received is like, yeah, you must do things right. For example, in our examination system, yeah, there's must have a model answer. You have to do things right. But like in the reality, when you get into a business world, when you maybe start your business or you're in a manager role, sometimes you may not be a perfect person, right? Sometimes you just have to just believe in yourself, believe in your guts. Yeah, we got a question from the audience. I, and then she asked about like, um, how do you deal with staff who are not a team player? As you like emphasize a lot about team spirit, you have to be a team leader, like a team player. How to deal with those people who are not likely a team player? Yeah. Uh, we we try to to do uh, team activities. I mean, in normal times, not in COVID times, unfortunately. <laughs> but we try to do team activities together uh, that involved uh, uh, that are involving you know everyone in the organization at every level of the organization. Uh, also fun activity you know from uh, role play or stupid parties. Uh, you know something that at the end of the day is not committal and is not serious, but you know that can can bring people together. And uh, I think these will. Uh, bring people together in one way or the other. So I think that the informal component uh, in business is extremely important. And relations with people are what makes, uh, you know, strong teams. So I, I think that the informal aspect of, uh, you know, our business relations are is extremely important. So we try to arrange activities beyond the office uh, to ma make sure or try to ensure that everyone will be 
and actually participate uh, participate to the team. Yeah, this remind me. Uh, in my previous agency, we also have like monthly outing. So we we'll go for barbecue together, but not right now. Like maybe boat trip, half a year, something like that. Yeah. Um, we got another question. Like, how do you strike a balance between pursuing operational excellence and empowering, and also giving autonomy to your college to perform? Like how to keep a balance on that? But uh, first of all, uh, you know, you have to understand that we we, we are running a listed company. So mm. listed companies they they have uh, uh, normally a very clear and strict governance in terms of proxies and powers. Uh, so there is uh, uh, you know it's very defined. You know what you can do. Or the things you can speak about, or the say the the level of commitment you can take for the company. Normally, the level of commitment is measured in dollars. So you can take commitment up to I don't know ten thousand US dollars, fifty thousand US dollars, a million US dollars, uh, and you do it individually, or you don't do it with joint activities or with joint signatories. So you know you have a formal governance. Uh, that is uh, uh, that is uh, driving it. Let's say uh, the empowerment. But in reality, I also believe that, that empowerment goes by reaching your individual or group targets. Uh, and so we have a uh, um, we have a, a bonus scheme that is uh, driving people to achieve results, and they should be achieving the results by uh, in autonomy and or with the teams on specific objectives. So we clearly define at the beginning of the year which are the individual objectives. And, uh, and we do also a mid-year uh, you know, uh, check if, we are, if there is a deviation or if there are issues that we need to take care of or if we can support you know, the team on specific objectives that could be reached. But more importantly, I, I try to avoid personally micromanagement. Uh, I, I tend to trust my team and I will ask them you know, how the things are progressing and I will ask them their advice on things. Uh, so I, I think this is already a statement of empowerment. I'm not going to ask them to do their job. You know, I expect them to do their jobs. Mm. Do we have any other questions? We still have a few minutes, so grab the chance to ask whatever you want to know more about fashion world, more about Christian stories. to like move a lot of 
something online, or how do you adapt like more technology, or will you adapt more technology due to the current situation? Because I I know that like um, for Gamo actually it's a very uh, you have a long history in your brand, but sometimes for a brand that have so many history, so many story, and then it would be a bit hard for a brand like this to transit to like new technology or adapt some new way to do. Maybe this is just my stereotype. So is this the reality to a brand like this, or yeah, how do you adapt to the change, or how do you think about technology? Yeah. Okay, I, I think that uh, Ferragamo, but in general, every brand and every company needs to adapt itself to technology and I believe it's probably the biggest opportunity independently from COVID. COVID has been an accelerator uh, of something that was already happening. Uh, so, you know, the, the way we engage with customers, the way we engage, the, uh, we engage with our clientele is completely different now. You know, we, uh, we try to be much closer to them thanks to, you know, the technology, thanks to social media. Uh, thanks to you know CRM platforms that give us you know much more uh, qualitative content about their passions and what right now can we be closer to them. Uh, also in terms of sales and market, you know marketplaces and e-commerce are incredible opportunities for every brand. And COVID again has been a, an incredible accelerator in this. And uh, but I believe that still the one-to-one relation that you know we treasure with our customers, we will uh, hopefully continue for many years. Uh, but this doesn't mean that we, we are not on top of the game in terms mm. of digitalization. We have also a global head, global head of uh, you know, uh, digital that is helping us to navigate the company to the next uh, you know, level uh, in this aspect. So I, it's definitely very, very important and it will remain very important uh, for the future of any company and any brand. Yeah, I just have one follow-up question. As I previously, when I work in the agency, and our biggest client is actually the Four Seasons Hotel Group. So when we help them to do a promotion or try to introduce some new technology, so the process it may take maybe three to six months or even one year to make it happen. So what is your thinking about like how you can actually speed up? to catch up with the chance while you still have to follow like so many rules or so many procedures in your company. Like how to like make a balance or what is the standard way uh, for your like daily operation right now? Sorry, sorry, I'm not 100% sure I understood the question. Can, can, can you repeat it again? Just want yeah, to yeah. know that I understand correctly. Mm, uh, yeah, maybe I make it clear like uh, in this way. So uh, in a big company like from Gamos, like if you want to introduce something new or use a new technology, that may take like a long procedures or long period of time. But you know that like the COVID-19 situation, everything has to speed up. So how do you like, um, manage to actually follow the procedure you have and also you can speed up and be top of the game, yeah. I, I, I think that, again, uh, you need to have a long-term perspective, so a long-term game on your 
digital evolution of the company, let's say, but then you need to have tactic operation that can be rapidly executed and implemented. Uh, so this is something that we have been learning uh, in, uh, in uh, you know, uh, while we are transforming our digital ecosystem. And, you know, the digital world constantly keeps changing, you know. Uh, imagine, you know, Snapchat three years ago looked like the, plat the magical platform for the fashion industry. Today, nobody cares about Snapchat anymore. It's all about Instagram. Uh, so, you know, the all, this is, of course, for the, you know, uh, Western ecosystem, while, you know, at certain point, uh, uh, Weibo in China seems to be very important. Today is all about WeChat. So mm. things change constantly, you know, and we are always looking. Now it's Daoyun, it's becoming, or TikTok, whatever it's, uh, you want to call it, is the next platform. We already see, you know, uh, the uh, social commerce coming up very rapidly, particularly in China. So, you know, you constantly need to readapt to the new reality and the things of the world keep changing very rapidly. So I think it's very important to have, uh, again, uh, a long-term commitment, but to have teams that are understanding, you know, the short-term uh, game and the adaptation in the long term. So it's, uh, it's very important to be flexible on the short and have a vision on the long. It's all about adaptability, you know, Charles Darwin, the, about the theory of evolution. The species that was surviving is the one that was the most adaptable and flexible, not the most tough one. So it's very important to be extremely rapid in your evolution. Thank you. <laughs> Let me see. Yeah, we don't have any new question in the chat box, so, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> so it was great seeing you. Yeah, me too. I actually learned so much today. And like, uh, to be honest, a lot of your advice that can actually, for example, like the long-term thinking and also be adaptive on your short-term tactics is really inspiring to me. And then, yeah, I'm actually applied to my business and I keep <laughs> like, marking notes. Yeah, I hope the audience today can actually like, learn a lot from the, from your sharing too. Yeah. Thank you very much and thank you for listening to me and for your time. Thank you so much. Ciao. See you. <laughs> yeah, ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you.